Section forty eight of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew. Volume one. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk. Part forty eight. Of the Street Sellers of Conundrums. Among the more modern street sales are conundrums, generally vended both in the shops and the streets as nuts to crack, when not in the form of books. This is another of the broad sheets, and is sufficiently clever and curious in its way. In the centre, at the top, is the wonderful picture, with the following description. This picture, when looked at from a particular point of view, will not only appear perfect in all respects and free from distortion, but the figures will actually appear to stand out in relief from the paper. The wonderful picture, which is a rude imitation of a similar toy picture sold in a box, with eyepiece complete, at the shops, presents a distorted view of a church spire, a lighthouse, a donjon keep, castellated buildings backed by mountains, a moat on which are two vessels, an arch surmounted by a Britannia, a palm-tree, I presume, and a rampart or pier, or something that way, on which are depicted two figures, with the gestures of elocutionists. The buildings are elongated, like shadows at sunset or sunrise. What may be the particular point of view announced in the description of the wonderful picture is not described in the nuts, but the following explanation is given in a little book published simultaneously, and entitled The Nutcrackers, A Key to Nuts to Crack, or Enigmatical Repository. The wonderful picture. Cut out a piece of cardboard two and a half inches long, make a round hole about the size of a pea in the top of it, place this level with the right-hand side of the engraving, and just one and a half inches distant from it, then apply your eye to the little hole, and look at the picture, and you will find that a beautiful symmetry pervades the landscape. There is not the slightest appearance of distortion, and the different parts appear actually to stand up in relief on the paper. Below the wonderful picture are other illustrations, and the border of the broadsheet presents a series of what may be called pictorial engravings. The first is, reader's note, within a line rectangle, capital D-I-O, followed by capital C, C, then 1, lately presented to a wise man by a usurper, end reader's note, the answer being evidently dioces. Number 26 is, reader's note, in a line rectangle, a horizontal line pointed at the right-hand end and the left-hand ending in a small circle, and on the next line, A4, and on the next, 26. The Child's Tidy. End reader's note. Pin 4 is the solution. Of the next hieroglyphic, for a second title to the nuts tells of 200 hieroglyphics, enigmas, conundrums, curious puzzles, and other ingenious devices, I cannot speak very highly. It consists of A-I-M-E-R. Note a figure of a hare at full speed, end note, and E-K-A, answer America. In the body of the broadsheet are the enigmas and so on announced, of each of which I give a specimen to show the nature of this street performance or entertainment. Enigma 107 is, I've got no wings, yet in the air I often rise and fall. I've got no feet, 
yet clogs i wear and shoes and boots and all as the answer is football the last two lines should manifestly have been placed first the conundrums are next in the arrangement and i cite one of them why are there strictly speaking only three hundred and twenty-five days in the year because is the reply forty of them are lent and never returned the riddles follow in this portion of the nuts to crack of these one is not very difficult to be solved though it is distinguished for the usual grammatical confusion of tenses a man has three daughters and each of these have a brother how many children had he the charades complete the series of these i select one of the best i am a word of letters seven i'm sinful in the sight of heaven to every virtue i'm opposed man's weary life i've often closed if to me you prefix two letters more i mean exactly what i meant before the other parts of the letterpress consist of anagrams transpositions and so on when a clever patterer works conundrums for the trade is in the hands of the pattering class he selects what he may consider the best and reads or repeats them in the street sometimes with and sometimes without the answer but he does not cripple the probable quickness of his sale by a slavish adherence to what is in type he puts the matter as it were personally what gentleman is it one man told me he would ask in this street that has eyes like a saucer a back like a box a nose like a penknife and a voice like a fox you can learn for a penny or sometimes i'll go on with the patter thus he continued what lady is it that we have all seen and who can say truly i am brighter than day i am swifter than light and stronger than all the momentum of might more than once people have sung out the queen for they seem to think that the momentum of might couldn't fit anyone else it's thought as is the answer but it wouldn't do to let people think it's anything of the sort it must seem to fit somebody if i see a tailor's name on a door as soon as i've passed the corner of the street and sometimes in the same street i've asked why is mr so-and-so the busy tailor of this or the next street never at home because he's always cutting out i have the same questions for other tradesmen and for gentlemen and ladies in this neighbourhood and no gammon all for a penny nuts to crack a penny a pair of nutcrackers to crack em only one penny sometimes this man who perhaps is the smartest in the trade will take a bolder flight still and when he knows the residence of any professional or public man he will if the illusion be complimentary announce his name or if there be any satire indicate by a motion of the head or a gesture of the hand the direction of his residence my ingenuous and certainly ingenious informant obliged me with a few instances in whitechapel parish i've said it ain't in the print it was only in the patter why won't the reverend mr champneys lay up treasures on earth because he'd rather lay up treasures in heaven that's the reverend gentleman not far from this spot but in this sheet with nearly a hundred engravings by the first artists only a penny i have other questions for other parsons not so easy answered nuts as is hard to crack why is the reverend mr popjoy or the honourable lawyer bully or judge wiggum and then i just jerks my thumb sir 
if it's where I know or think such people live. Why is the Reverend Mr. Popjoy, or the others, like two balloons, one in the air to the east, and the t'other in the air to the west, in this parish of St. George's, Hanover Square? There's no such question, and as it's a sort of a cock, of course there's no answer. I don't know one, but a gentleman's servant once sung out, "'Cause he's uppish!' and a man in a leather apron once said, "'He's a-raising the wind,' which was nonsense, but I like that sort of interruption, and have said, "'You'll not find that answer in the nutcrackers. Only a penny, and Lord knows, I told the truth when I said so, and it helps the sale. No fear of anyone's finding out all what's in the sheet before I'm out of the drag. Not a bit. And you must admit that anyway it's a cheap penneth. That it is a cheap, harmless pennyworth is undeniable.' The street sale of conundrums is carried on most extensively during a week or two before Christmas, and on summer evenings, when the day's work is, or ought to be, over even among the operatives of the slop employers. As the conundrum patterer requires an audience, he works the quieter streets, preferring such as have no horse thoroughfare, as in some of the approaches from the direction of Golden Square to Regent Street. The trade is irregularly pursued, none following it all the year, and from the best information I could acquire, it appears that fifteen men may be computed as working conundrums for two months throughout the twelve, and clearing ten shillings and sixpence weekly per individual. The cost of the nuts to crack, when new, is fivepence a dozen to the seller, but old nuts often answer the purpose of the street seller, and may be had for about half the price. The cost of the nut crackers, two shillings to two shillings and sixpence. It may be calculated, then, that to realise the ten shillings and sixpence, fifteen shillings must be taken. This shows the street expenditure in nuts to crack and nut crackers to be ninety pounds yearly. Of the street sellers of comic exhibitions, magical delusions, and so on, the street sale of comic exhibitions, properly so called, is, of course, as modern as the last autumn and winter, and it is somewhat curious that the sale of any humorous or meant-to-be-humorous sheet of engravings is now becoming very generally known in the street sale as a comic exhibition. Among these, as I have before intimated, are many caricatures of the Pope, the Church of Rome, Cardinal Wiseman, the Church of England, the Bishop of London, or any bishop or dignitary, or of any characteristic of the conflicting creeds. In many of these John Bull figures personally, and so does the devil. The comic exhibition proper is certainly a very cheap pennyworth. Number one is entitled The Ceremonial of the Opening of the Great Exhibition in 1851, with illustrations of the contributions of all nations. The contributions, however, are reserved for numbers two and three. Two larger cuts at the head of the broadsheet may be considered geographical as regards the first, and allegorical as regards the second. Table Bay presents a huge feeder, evidently, and the Cape of Good Hope is a spare man, obsequiously bowing to the table and its guest, in good hope of a dinner. Of the Sandwich Islands and of Hungary, the exhibition is of the same description. The second larger cut shows the Crystal Palace ascending by the agency of a balloon, a host of people of all countries looking on. 
then comes the procession from palace yard to hyde park the first figure in this procession is described as beefeaters piping hot and well puffed out though there is but one beefeater with head larger than his body and legs ridiculously small as have nearly all the sequent figures smoking a pipe as if it were a trombone duly followed by her majesty's spiritual bodyguard five beefeaters drunk and by prince albert blowing his own trumpet from the back of a very sorry steed with mops and brooms and a cook ooh, a housemaid and cook as his supporters then follow figures grotesque enough of which the titles convey the character a famous well in town nay peer ye humorous estimates mr hume a jew d'esprit mr disraeli an exemplification of cupidity in pumice stone lord palmerston old geese and young ducks old and angry-looking and young and pretty women some gentlemen who patronize moses in the minories certainly no credit to the skill of a tailor a jew lion monsieur julien fine high screams ice creams and capers chorister boys and ballet girls heyday you don't take advantage here joseph adie and something to give the milk a head a man with a horse's head on a tray these however are but a portion of the figures the comic exhibition sheet contains ninety such figures independent of those in the two cuts mentioned as headings galleries of comicalities or series of figures sometimes satirically sometimes grotesquely given without any aim at satire are also sold by the same parties and are often announced as a threepenny gallery for a penny and dirt cheap at threepence as big as a newspaper another broadsheet sold this winter in the streets is entitled optical and magical delusions and was announced as dedicated to and prepared for his royal highness the prince of wales the only original copy the engravings are six in number and are in three rows each accompanying engraving being reversed from its fellow where the head is erect on one side it is downward on the other the first figure is a short length of a very plain woman while on the opposite side is that of a very plain man both pleased and smirking in accordance with the line below oh what joy when our lips shall meet categorical is a spectacled and hooded cat dogmatical is a dog with the hat wig and cane once held proper to a physician cross purposes is an austere lady in a monster cap while her opposite husband is pointing bitterly to a long bill the purport of these figures is shown in the following directions paste all over the back of the sheet and put a piece of thick paper between to stiffen it then fold it down the centre so that the marginal lines fall exactly at the back of each other which may be ascertained by holding it to the light press it quite flat when cut separately they will make three cards shave them close to the margin then take a needle full of double thread and pass it through the dot at each end of the card cut the thread off about three inches long by twisting the threads between your forefingers and thumbs 
so as to spin the card round backwards and forwards with a rapid motion, the figures will appear to connect and form a pleasing delusion. Then there are the magical figures, or rude street imitations of Dr. Paris' ingenious toy called the Thormoscope. Beside these are what, at the first glance, appear mere black and very black marks, defining no object, but a closer examination shows the outlines of a face, or of a face and figure. Of such there are sometimes four on a broadsheet, but they are also sold separately, both in the streets and the small stationers' shops. When the white or black portion of the paper is cut away, for both colours are so prepared, what remains, by a disposition of the light, throws a huge shadow of a grotesque figure on the wall, which may be increased or diminished, according to the motions of the exhibitor. The shadow figures sold this winter by one of my informants were of Mr. and Mrs. Manning, the Queen, Prince Albert, the Princess Royal, and the Prince of Wales. "'But you see, sir,' observed the man, "'the Queen and the Prince does for any father and mother, for she hasn't her crown on, and the Queen's kids for anybody's kids.' I mention these matters more particularly, as it certainly shows something of a change in the winter evening's amusements of the children of the working classes. The principal street customers for these penny papers were mechanics, who bought them on their way home for the amusement of their families. Boys, however, bought almost as many. The sale of these papers is carried on by the same men as I have described working conundrums. A superior patterer, of course, shows that his magical delusions and magical figures combine all the wonders of the magic lantern and the dissolving views, and all for one penny. The trade is carried on only for a short time in the winter, as regards the magical portion, and I am informed that, including the comic exhibitions, it extends to about half of the sum taken for conundrums, or to about forty-five pounds of the street sellers of playbills the sellers of playbills carry on a trade which is exceedingly uncertain and is little remunerative there are now rather more than two hundred people selling playbills in london but the number has sometimes been as high as four hundred yes indeed a theatrical gentleman said to me and if a dozen more theatres were opened to-morrow why each would have more than its twenty bill sellers the very first night where they come from or what they are i haven't a notion the majority of the playbill sellers are either old or young the sexes being about equally engaged in this traffic some of them have followed the business from their childhood i met with very few indeed who knew anything of theatres beyond the names of the managers and of the principal performers while some do not even enjoy that small modicum of knowledge and some can neither read nor write the boys often run recklessly alongside the cabs which are conveying persons to the theatre, and so offer their bills for sale. One of these youths said to me when I spoke of the danger incurred, The cabman knows how to do it, sir, when I runs and patters, and so does his horse. An intelligent cabman, however, who was in the habit of driving parties to the Lyceum, told me that these lads clung to his cab as he drove down to Wellington Street, in such a way, for they seemed never to look before them, that he was in constant fear lest they should be run over. Ladies are often startled by a face appearing suddenly at the cab window, and through my glass 
said my informant a face would look dirtier than it really is and certainly a face gliding along with the cab as it were no accompanying body being visible on a winter's night while the sound of the runner's footsteps is lost in the noise of the cab has much the effect of an apparition i did not hear of one person who had been in any way connected with the stage even as a supernumerary resorting to playbill selling when he could not earn a shilling within the walls of a theatre these bill sellers for the most part confined themselves as far as i could ascertain to that particular trade the youths say that they sometimes get a job in errand-going in the daytime but the old men and women generally aver that they can do nothing else an officer who some years back had been on duty at a large theatre told me that at that time the women bill-sellers earned a trifle in running errands for the women of the town who attended the theatres but as they were not permitted to send any communication into the interior of the house their earnings that way were insignificant for they could only send in messages by any other dress-woman entering the theatre subsequently in the course of my inquiries last year i met with a lame woman of sixty-eight who had been selling playbills for the last twelve years she had been for six or eight months before she adopted the trade the widow of a poor mechanic a carpenter she had first thought of resorting to that means of a livelihood owing to a neighbouring old woman having been obliged to relinquish her post from sickness when my informant succeeded her in this way she said many persons succeeded to the business as the recognised old hands were jealous of and uncivil to any additional newcomers but did not object to a successor these parties generally know each other they murmur if the haymarket hands for instance resort to the lyceum for any cause or vice versa thus overstocking the business but they offer no other opposition the old woman further informed me that she commenced selling playbills at astley's and then realized a profit of four shillings per week when the old amphitheatre was burnt down she went to the victoria but business was not what it was and her earnings were from sixpence to one shilling a week less and this she said although the victoria was considered one of the most profitable stations for the playbill seller the box-keeper there seldom selling any bill in the theatre the boxes too at this house more frequently buy them outside another reason why business was better at the victoria than elsewhere was represented to me by a person familiar with the theatres to be this many go to the victoria who cannot read or who can read but imperfectly and they love to make believe they are good scholards by parading the consulting of a playbill on my visit the bill sellers at the victoria were two old women each a widow for many years two young men besides two or three though there are sometimes as many as six or seven children the old women fell into the business as successors by virtue of their predecessors leaving it on account of sickness the children were generally connected with the older dealers the young men had been in this business from boyhood some sticking to the practice of their childhood unto manhood or towards old age the number at the victoria is now i am informed two or three more as the theatre is often crowded the old woman told me that she had known two and even four visitors to the theatre 
club for the purchase of a bill, and then she had sometimes to get farthings for them. A young fellow, who said he believed he was only eighteen, but certainly looked older, told me that he was in the habit of selling playbills, but not regularly, as he sometimes had a job in carrying a board or delivering bills at a corner, or the likes of that. He favoured me with his opinion of the merits of the theatres he was practically acquainted with, as regarded their construction for the purposes of the bill-seller. His mother, who had been dead a few years, had sold bills, and had put him into the business. His ambition seemed to be to become a general bill-sticker. He could not write, but could read very imperfectly. "'Fy, you see, sir,' he said, "'there's sets off. At the market—' Haymarket. Now, there's this. There's only one front, so you may look sharp about, for there goes boxes, pit, and gallery. The Delphi's is good that way, and so is the Surrey, but them one's crowded too much. The Lyceum's built shocking awkward. Fie, the boxes is in one street, and the pit in another, and the gallery in another. It's true, sir. The pit's the best customer in most theatres, I think. Ashley's and the wick is both spoiled that way. Ashley's particular, as the gallery's a good step from the pit and boxes. At the wick it's round the corner. But the shilling gallery ain't so bad at Ashley's. Saddler's Wells I never tried. It's out of the way. And I can't tell you much about the Olympic or the Strand. The lane is middling. I don't know that either plays or actors makes much difference to me. Perhaps it's rather verser than it's anything very prime, as everybody seems to know everything about it aforehand. No, sir, I can't say, sir, that Mr. MacReady did me much good. I sometimes run along by a cab, because I've got a sixpence from a swell for doing it stunning, but very seldom, and I don't much like it, though when you're at it you don't think of no fear. I makes three shillings or rather more a week at bill-selling, and as much other vays. I never saw a play, but once at the wick. I'd rather be at a free and heasy. I don't know as I knows any of the actors or actresses, either he's or she's. The sellers of playbills purchase their stock of the printer at three shillings and fourpence the hundred, or in that proportion for half or quarter hundreds. If a smaller quantity be purchased, the charge is usually thirteen for sixpence, though they used to be only twelve for sixpence. These sellers are among the poorest of the poor. After they have had one meal, they do not know how to get another. They reside in the lowest localities, and some few are abandoned and profligate in the character. They reckon it a good night to earn one shilling clear, but upon an average they clear but three shillings per week. They lose sometimes by not selling out their nightly stock. What they have left they are obliged to sell for waste paper at twopence per pound. Christmas, Easter, and Whitsuntide are generally their best times. They will then make ninepence per night clear. The printer of the playbills prints but a certain number, the demand being nearly ascertained week by week. These are all sold, by the printer or some purpose appointed, to the regular customers in preference to others, but the irregulars can get supplied, though often not without trouble. The profit on all sold is rather more than cent per cent. As I have intimated, when some theatres are closed, the bill-sellers are driven to others, and, as the demand is necessarily limited, a superflux of sellers affects the profits, and then two shillings and sixpence is considered a good week's work. During the opera season, I am told, a few mechanics out of work will sell bills there, and books of the opera, making about six shillings a week, and doing better than the regular hands, 
as they have a better address and are better clad taking the profits at three shillings a week at cent per cent on the outlay and reckoning two hundred sellers including those at the saloons concert rooms and so on we find that sixty pounds is now expended weekly on playbills purchased in the streets of london of the street sellers of periodicals pamphlets tracts books etc these street sellers are a numerous body and the majority of them show a greater degree of industry and energy than is common to many classes of street folk they have been for the most part connected with the paper newspaper or publishing trade and some of them have known better days one intelligent man i met with a dealer in waste note paper end note had been brought up as a compositor but late hours and glaring gaslights in the printing office affected his eyes he told me and as a half-blind compositor was about of as little value he thought as a horse with a wooden leg he abandoned his calling for out-of-door labour another had been a gunsmith and when out of his apprenticeship was considered a don hand at hair triggers for hair triggers were more wanted then but an injury to his right hand and arm had disabled him as a mechanic and he had recourse to the streets a third had been an ink maker's young man and had got to like the streets by calling for orders and delivering bottles of ink at the shops of the small stationers and chandlers and so he had taken to them for a living of the book stall-keepers i heard of one man who had died a short time before and who once had been in the habit of buying better books for his own pleasure than he had afterwards to sell for his bread of the bookstall proprietors i have afterwards spoken more fully all the street sellers in question are what street estimation pronounces to be educated men they can all as far as i could ascertain read and write and some of them were keenish politicians both free traders and against free trade when they was a-talking of the better days when they was young nearly all are married men with families the divisions into which these street traffickers may be formed are odd number sellers steamboat news vendors railway news vendors though the latter is now hardly a street traffic the sellers of second editions which i have already given as a portion of the patterers board workers also previously described and for the same reason tract sellers of whom i have given the number character and so on and who are regarded by the other street sellers as the idlers beggars and pretenders of the trade the sellers of children's books and song books book auctioneers and book stall keepers end of section forty eight